Well, good morning. Can you hear me? Is this on? Yep. Okay. Thank you. Genesis 1 is where we're going to be today. We're starting our new series in Genesis chapter 1. If you have your Bible, go ahead and turn there with me. Uh, today is the first Sunday of the month, which means we're going to observe the Lord's Supper. If you want to uh, if you haven't grabbed your elements, you can do that now, or you can gra- do it during the invitation. Um, this, uh, and also just a quick announcement, we, uh, we have some sign-up sheets in the back. If, you rather, if you're more comfortable signing something than going online, our men's retreat, we've got like, some guys already signed up for that, and then like, our new members class, there's a sign-up sheet for those two things. Um, but just a, an FYI there, if you sign up on one of those, you don't need to sign up online. If you sign up online, you don't need to sign up on one of those. But just they're, they're there for you if you want them. They're in the welcome center on that welcome desk. Uh, we're starting a new series today, Genesis, the first 11 chapters of Genesis. And we're going to kind of go through this one chapter at a time. We're going to really push through. And uh, there's been... You know, I've, I've thought about maybe breaking this up a little bit, but as I told our, uh, our team, no one's got time for that, you know what I mean? And so we're just going to, we're going to move, and we're going to move pretty quickly through these chapters, okay? And uh, I, I believe that you will uh, find it fruitful. Uh, at the same time, I, I hope there's still some questions that you have, you know, and uh, we're not going to answer every question that we have in, in creation and, and in Genesis. Uh, there's still some meat that would be left on the bone because we're kind of moving at a, at a faster rate. That being said, I think that there's still going to be a lot of quality here. Today we're going to go through all of chapter 1 and we're actually going to stop in chapter 2 verse 3. Let's take a deep breath. Put your seatbelt on, pull your boots up. We're going to go get started, all right? Uh, let me start with prayer. Father, we give you thanks for the day. I thank you so much for the many blessings you've given to us. And we thank you for our time here. And uh, Lord, it's such a, an honor and a privilege to get to, to preach your word each and every Sunday. And I thank you for the calling that you've placed in my life. And Father, I know that... Uh, I can only be here because of you. You are good. And so we thank you for that. I, I personally, I just I, I thank you for the goodness that you've showed to me. And Father, I, I pray that you would forgive me of my sin and cleanse me of the unrighteousness that is in my life. and Give me the grace that is needed to, to preach your word in a way that brings honor and glory to your name. Father, uh, I, I I pray for our study in Genesis. I ask that this would be fruitful and that would help us to understand you a little bit more. Help us to understand ourselves a little bit better and what you are calling us to do and who you're calling us to be. Father, I I pray for the person that's here today that does not know Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord. And Father, I pray that you would give them the grace that they need to understand your love for them. That Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life that no one comes to the Father except through him. I pray that today would be the day of their salvation. 
for the believer that's here that's struggling or questioning or uncertain or maybe they're just in a position of flux. Father, I pray that you would give them just an extra portion of your grace today. They would see your love, your kindness, your generosity in their life. Lord Jesus, we love you and pray all these things in your name. Amen. Hey, to the sound guy, can you do me a favor? Can you turn this down just a little bit? I'm hearing just a little bit of an echo in my ears. It's bothering me just a little bit. When I was in college, I had a... That's very good, thank you. When I was in college, I had a, a friend who had his own house. His parents bought him a house, and he lived there throughout his college career, and he had two guys that lived with him, and he would charge them rent and everything else. And, you know, it was, it was good for him, and it was a good place to hang out and get off campus, but... If you can imagine, three guys, three college guys living in one house, there was just this flavor of teenage masculinity in the decor of that house. You know, posters on the wall, road signs, futon furniture, pizza roll boxes on the floor, you know, things of that nature. I mean, just real mature <laughs> decor. About his junior year, he got engaged to a pretty girl, and uh, you know, it amazed me over time, those posters turned into framed pictures, and that, you know, pizza box on the floor got picked up, and the, the furniture got changed from futons and hand-me-downs to, to new furniture. The toilet seat was always down, you know what I mean? It just things just became so much more orderly and clean and the house smelt better. It's amazing, you know, just a woman's touch, how that just changed everything like that. You know, if you go into our church offices, our staff offices, it will not take you any effort at all to be able to distinguish if a lady is in this office or if a man is in this office. It's kind of embarrassing, honestly. Like our, our male staff should be embarrassed. Like, they, like you walk into the, like Amy's office, that's nice. Kathy's, okay. I mean, it's just like there's plants in there. There's posters. There's candles. It's light. I mean, it's just like it's welcoming. You go into Rod's office, there's not nothing on the wall. I mean, there's nothing. There's nothing on the bookshelves. Matt's is the same way, though. I mean, there's nothing there. It's like... What's going on here? You know what I mean? Put some ladies, Renee, you might just need to help him out a little bit. But it's just, as we look at the history of creation, you're going to see God's created order. God did not knit together the fabric of all things kind of haphazard like our men do in our offices. You know, there is a created order to creation. I mean, God created everything with purpose with reason, with order. Today we're going to look at the first seven days of history, and I think you're going to see God's creative order, but I want you to focus on, during our time on these first 11 chapters, on how and when. I'm sorry, not necessarily on how and when, but on and who created it and why he created it. Now the how and when is important, and we're going to talk a little bit about that. But we're going to spend most of our time answering those questions of who created it and why did he created it. The creator 
created all of creation with order, with purpose. And he did so with you in mind, friends. Day one. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void. And darkness was all over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. And God called the light day. And darkness he called night. And there was evening, morning, the first day. Church, I, I have no idea how much time has passed since day one of creation. Since verse one and today. I, I mean... If you look like Google, uh, if you want to search this on Google, you will see that some people say that the earth is as young as 6,000 years old. And then you'll hear people say that the earth is 4.5 billion years, give or take 50 million years. So it's somewhere between there, okay? 6,000 and 4.5 billion years, okay? But we, we were in South Dakota here just a few weeks ago, and we were listening to like an audio tour and they were saying that's even older than that. The guy, the historian on this, was saying that's even older than that. Again, the object, the point, the purpose of our time here isn't to give you the exact when, but who and why. I do know that prior to verse 1, no time had passed. Not one minute. This is the story of the beginning of history. A time on earth did not exist because the world didn't exist. Prior to verse 1, friends, God existed, but time did not. If you would have told me 20 years ago that Sears and Roebuck would cease to exist, I'd say you're crazy. I mean, I went to Sears for everything to get my glasses to get my pants, to get my socks, change the oil in my truck, to buy tools, to buy appliances. I mean, there was very few things I did. I, I love Sears, you know. I mean, I still got tons of craftsman's tools in my toolbox. You know I mean? Like I, the idea of a Sears and robot, I, mean, I just, but you think about when things are created, there's an end in mind. I mean, it's, there's a shelf life to everything, friends. The same is true for you. I mean, there's a beginning to your story, and guess what? There's going to be an end as well. There's a beginning to all things, and, there's an end, and that's the truth of creation, friends. God created the world with the end in mind. Don't ever forget that. God created the world with the end in mind. There's a shelf life to this world, friends. I mean, we know... Look at the story of the Bible. There's a beginning and an end. Okay? God created it with the end in mind. It may not seem like it, but everything is temporary. On day one, God created the heavens and the earth. He created light and darkness. He called the light day and the night day. I'm sorry, and the night and the darkness night. Now, something to know about God uh, and creation here is that Though there was light, their sun wasn't there. I mean, God didn't create the sun until what, day four? There are a few more days and yet there is light. I think it's important to note that there was a, there was a morning and an evening and that marked the beginning and the end of day one. 
you look at each day of creation, the same can be said. Morning and evening, day one. That marks the beginning and end of each day. There's a lot of talk on whether or not these days were 24-hour days. Uh, morning and evening, though, friends, day one. Moses wrote this. We know that Moses is the author of this. And so here we have Moses, he's writing this, and he's saying morning and evening, each day. The last two things to note here is that the Spirit of God is mentioned as, as hovering over the waters. There's no, this is no small things that we see two persons of the Trinity here in the creation story. But also throughout the New Testament, Jesus is mentioned as having an integral part of creation as well. If you look at John 1, John 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. He was with God in the beginning. All three persons of the Trinity have an integral part, friends, of creation. And lastly here we see that the creation is a good thing. Spoiler alert, each day, friends, of creation, God says it's good. So I won't, I won't mention this again until day six, but each day we see there's a beginning, there's an end, and that it was good. Day two, verse six. And God said, let there be an expanse in the middle of the waters and let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that are above the expanse. And so, and so it was so. And God called the expanse heaven. And there was evening and there was morning and the second day. On the second day, God creates the earth's atmosphere. You have the waters that are on the earth and the waters that are in the sky. And these are called what? Clouds. God is creating the sky. He's creating the atmosphere. This may not seem like a big deal, but for a God to control everything was a big deal, especially for the Israelites. And in the Mesopotamian literature, there's different theories that try to explain the sky. Some people believe that the sky was held up by cables. Others believe that the sky was held up by the mountains. But most of them believe that the earth, the sky was like a, was like a surface, like a hard, almost like a pavement. But nobody believed that there was one God that controlled all things, including the sky. And Genesis is the only book that has a single God controlling all things. Day three. God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together in one place and let the dry land appear, and it was so. God called the land, the dry land earth, and the waters that were gathered together he called seas, and God saw that it was good. And God said, let the earth sprout vegetations, plants yielding seed and fruit trees, bearing fruit, and which is their seed according to its kind on earth. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetations, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds, and the trees bearing fruit in which there is their seed, each according to its kind. And God saw that it was good, and there was evening and there was morning the third day. On the third day, God created land and used the land to separate the seas. The water, the water was gathered into one place, and God created dry land. Something to note that doesn't get picked up in our translation, but every commentator that I read this week said that 
it was believed and it is to be assumed that all the land was in one place as well. The earth is constantly changing, friends. It's changing forms. I, I, I'm not going to go into tectonic plates. I'll leave that for people like Roger to discuss. But the earth changes over history. That shouldn't scare us or make us think that God isn't control or that this isn't true. In our lifetime, we see the earth changing. Earthquakes, volcanoes, floods, temperature changes. If you do some history, you will see that the, the Missouri River here locally has changed the map. The second part of this is that we see God creating vegetation. This is a huge deal. Friends, God created the world with everything it needs to survive. Plants and trees. The sun hadn't even been created yet. And here we have trees and plants surviving on this earth. I have a friend of mine, his name is Jim. He does uh, deer habitat. He travels all over the country and plants uh, food plots and things about nature uh, and people's woods and pastures. But what he tells them is, uh, he, he goes, I, I'll plant these food plots in your land and I'll, you know, I'll, I'll do whatever you need me to do or want me to do on your property. He goes, let me tell you what I believe. God has given these deer everything they need to survive. He goes, in nature, you, these animals have everything they need to survive. And God has created this to be so. They don't need a food plot. And what we need to do is improve the natural habitat for these deer. In order for them to stay on your property, which is what you ultimately want. We just need to improve it. You know, think about that for a second. Oftentimes, I think we need to add to nature. But friends, we just need to be good stewards of what God has given to us. I mean, if God has blessed you with land, okay, it's your responsibility to be a good steward of that land, to take care of it, to nurture it. God will take care of it if you take care of it. God has given it everything that it needs. And if you take care of it, you will honor God with it. On day four, God said, let the liberty lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night. And let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon earth. And it was so. And God made two great lights, the greater light to rule over the day and the lesser light to rule over the night and the stars. And God said them into the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth, to rule over the day and over the night and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good and there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. And John MacArthur says that this is a reason for us to believe that this is a, a literal 24-hour day that creation was created in literal 24 hours. He does not believe that vegetation can survive without the sun. He goes, it can survive for 24 hours, but it can't survive for a thousand years. It's a good argument. But the sun and the moon were created by God to give the world light. Friends, even in darkness, even of an evening, the moon gives light to us. 
They help creation distinguish night from day. The animals are so much more active in the evening than they are in the heat of the day. It's not just humans that rely on the lights in the sky. I mean, birds know when to migrate because of what? How many hours are in the day? When the days get longer, they know when to move. When the days get shorter, they know when to move. It's not just us that rely on these the sun, the moon, and the star, they help creation fulfill their responsibilities, friends. God has done this for us for a reason, for a purpose. On day five, God said, let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures and let the birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. So God created the great sea creatures and every living creature that moves with the waters swarm of according to their kinds, and every bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good, and God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters and the seas, and let the birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening, and there was morning the fifth day. On the fifth day, God creates the birds of the sky and the seas and the fish of the sea and commands them to be fruitful and multiply. I think it's important for you to notice here that God created them. Every winged bird Every sea creatures, each of these were created out of nothing. Just like in Genesis 1-1, ex nihilo, out of nothing. God created them. It's important to notice because if you look at day six, the animals of the earth that roamed the earth were created from the earth. Day six, God creates the creatures of the earth. God said, let the earth bring forth creatures according to their kinds, livestock, creeping things, and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds, and the livestock according to their kinds, and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Then, in verse 26, God said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over the earth and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created a male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and to have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on earth. And God said, behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth and every tree with its seed and its fruit, you shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every birds of heaven, you, and to everything that creeps on the earth, and everything that has breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he made. And behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning the sixth day. Friends, the crown of creation is man. The crown of creation is man. No other part of creation is created in the image of God. No other part. No other part of creation is called very good. Much of creation is under God's authority and dominion. But listen to what God has given. He has placed man in charge of all living things. The fish, the birds, the animals, the plants, the trees, all created for man. God created all of this for us. You are the crown, friends. You are the crown of creation. I mean, 
Just think about that for a second. I mean, think about all that God has created. Think of the places that you've been. We go on vacation. Where do you go? You know, I, we went to South Dakota. Went to the Badlands and Custer National State Park. And I mean, just think about just the beauty we saw there. And you know, if you've ever gone to Yosemite or you ever spent time in Alaska or seen the Great Lakes, you ever. I, I spent a summer in China. You ever been to British Columbia? You ever seen the Amazon? I mean, it's just, the waterfalls are just amazing. The glaciers. Seen whales bubble feeding out in the middle of the ocean. I mean, they're swarming around in circles and they come up out of the water with their mouths open and just, it's breathtaking. It's beautiful. <laughs> What's some of the most beautiful places you've been to? I mean, just think about it for just a moment. And yet God says, you're the crown of all creation. Those are good, but you're very good. Of all the things that God could have said was very, I mean, I, I've seen some of you. Y'all ain't that special. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, just, you're just, I mean, you're a diamond. I mean, there's people like you everywhere, you know? What makes you so great? I mean, there's only, there's only one Mount McKinley, you know? But God says, you are the crown of my creation. I mean, God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to this earth for you. I mean, he, he created this whole entire for you. All of creation, friends, you're the crown. <laughs> and not only are you the crown, but the person sitting next to you is. The person down the road. Is. It doesn't matter what the bank account tells you. It doesn't matter what job they have or what home they live in, what color skin they have or what they vote. Doesn't matter if they're male or female. They are the crown of God's creation. Seventh day, God rest. Friends, verse, chapter 2, verse 1. The, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all hosts of them. And on the seventh day God finished his work that he had done, 
and he rested on the seventh day from all of his work that he had done. And God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it God rested from all of his work that he had done in creation. God rested not because he was weary or tired. God rested because his work was finished. God resting on the seventh day is an example for us to follow. And, uh, and we should, you know. We, we each need a Sabbath, a day of rest. It's important for each one of us as children of God. If God did it, we should. To take a moment, a day, we look back at our work that we did. And hopefully we're proud of it. We can say that was good. You know, I'm not sure about you, but at the end of each day, I, I look back at my life and I ask, or my day, and I ask the Lord, I say, God, show me what I've done each day today that I shouldn't have done. I want to know how I can make myself better. How I, I don't want to repeat the same mistakes that I made today. You know, I'm not perfect. God didn't, you know. Each of us have our own works, failures, mistakes. Even though we are the crown of creation, we have our faults. If you look at the story of Genesis, especially these first 11 chapters, the thing that you're going to see over and over again is you're going to see God's created order, but man messing it up. And the further along we go, the more of a mess we're going to see. But the beauty of it is we're going to see God's grace increase. As man's sin increases, so does God's grace. This week, uh, college football really got started. And uh, last week, it kind of got started. But this was the first week where, you know, good teams started playing. And so, I, uh, I hate Alabama football. I mean, I just, I despise it. But I, I love Nick Saban. And uh, I think he's a great coach. And, you know, you just love it. Love to hate him, I guess, but I mean, it's one of those things where you just, you got to have respect for the guy, you know, the way he does things. And when he was at Michigan State, he was coaching at Michigan, Michigan State, he had a, a player that get, got in trouble. And he said, he goes, everybody at the school, every newspaper said that I should kick this guy off my team. That everybody said this. He said, he goes, I, I thought about this though, and he said, what, if I kick him off my team, what's he going to do? You know, he's going to go back to the street. Why? He goes, why don't we have people advocating for 18, 20-year-old kids to have a second chance? You know? I mean, like, why do we expect these kids to be perfect? He said, I suspended the guy, made him do some extra work, and he came back on the team. He graduated from Michigan State. He went on to play in the NFL for 15 years. At the time when he was saying this, he said he was the president of a company. He had seven kids, and his oldest daughter was a student at Princeton. <laughs> Sometimes we look at our life, and we look at the mistakes that we make, and 
the messes that we get ourselves in and, and we just think, man, I don't I think I deserve a second chance. Maybe I, people knew who I truly was, what I truly was doing behind closed doors, what I, how I really acted. They wouldn't love me. They wouldn't respect me. Friends, you are the, the crown of creation. God will give you a second chance. You deserve a second chance. And grace is offered to you. It's at your doorstep. No matter how dark, no matter how devious the sin is, you are God's crown and joy. Grace is available to each of us. I pray that you would understand that Jesus Christ is the only way to receive that grace, friends. That Jesus Christ, without him in your life, it's not possible. Jesus Christ allows us to receive God's grace. It's only through the crown. Father, we give you thanks for the day. We thank you for this opportunity we have together together in this place. Father, I pray that the person here today would hear that Jesus Christ is Lord. That even in creation, there is a call to Christ. Father, I pray that you would help us today to, to know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. Father, if there's someone here today that has never accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior, Lord, I pray that today is that day where they admit that they are a sinner, believe that Jesus is God's Son, and confess Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. Help us to understand your love for us and our need for you. And Father, if there's someone here today that just needs help with that decision, I pray that they are willing to, to make themselves vulnerable, to come and seek and ask for help. Father, we love you, and we thank you for everything you've done for us. In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said. Friends, this altar is, is open for you. If you want to come forward and, and pray, you can. Uh, I'm going to be back in the Welcome Center and want to invite you to come back there. And, um, and if you have questions about anything, concerns, worries, this is an opportunity for you to do business with the Lord. There's no greater opportunity you have this week than to right here, right now. We're going to sing a song of invitation. And, you know, I'm not the Holy Spirit. I don't know what God is saying to you, how he's speaking to you. But however that is, whatever God is saying, whatever God is leading you to do, I pray that you will not leave this place without answering the call that God has placed in your life. We're going to stand and sing a song. I'm going to invite you to do so. Respond as the Lord leads you.